Hey, Westside family. My name is Matt, and I am the co-leader for the Young and Free Group. Thank you for joining us for today's message. We hope that you are blessed by the Word of God through the speaking of our pastors and leaders, and we pray that this leads you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love you, and enjoy. So today, we're talking. I'm going to talk to you about being separated. So there are examples in in, in the Bible where we distinctly see. God wanting his people, collectively and individually, being separated from a certain way, from a certain mindset. We see it throughout scriptures, but just to lay a foundation, uh, I'm wanting to share three of them real briefly with you. So you see the heart and you see the push in scripture for God's people to be separated uh, and to be uh, different. So the first one is, is Adam and Eve. So God created the world, but then he created a garden. And he placed Adam and Eve in the garden. We really don't know a lot of details about the why of that, uh, why Adam and Eve was separated into a garden as opposed to uh, put them in, in this open land called the world uh, for them to roam and do. But for whatever reason, God separated Adam and Eve, the very first ones. He separated them from the rest of the world so that they could flourish, be blessed, experience all that he had for them Excuse me, in this certain domain. And oftentimes, that, those principles and those thoughts and ideas, you see, follows God and his way for his people. How God would choose that his people be separated from the world so that they can be in a position to flourish, be blessed, connect with him on a very deep level, and be able to connect with one another and do all that he has called them to do. Now that is the premise of the point of being separated to God right then and right there. It's to be in a place where you and I can flourish, be in a place where we can connect deeply with God, be in a place where we can connect deeply with one another, children of God, and be in a place where we can fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. So if you wonder about the principles or the thoughts of separation, it definitely goes back to Adam and Eve and just how and why God wanted them to do that would be the how and why God wants us to do that. Uh, a couple more examples is Israel and the promised land. So you look in Exodus chapter 3, God told Moses, hey, I have a, a place for my people. It's a great place. It's a place flowing with land and flowing with honey, or I'm sorry, flowing with milk and flowing with honey. When you jump inside the milk and honey, you see that milk represents strength, but it also represents a provision. Honey represents sweetness, pleasure, delight, but also provision. And so God was, was, was telling Moses that I have this place for my people. It is the place of, a, of another people, but you're going to go in and you're going to take this land by my power and it is going to be for my people. So it was another type of separation. Again, going to Adam and Eve, you see where God had set up a place for his people to flourish, for his people to have intimate connection with him, for his people to have intimate connection with one another, 
and for his people to do what they were called and purposed to do. You will see the principle of separation, or you will see those things all in the principle of separation. Flourish, intimacy with God, intimacy with one another, fulfillment of purpose and plan in our lives. That's why God wants his people to separate. The third one is uh, the church and the, uh, in, in, in the New Testament. So again, when you see Jesus Christ ascending, that's in the very uh, first chapter of Acts, he told them to go wait in Jerusalem. So 120 of them uh, waited. They was praying. The Holy Spirit came. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the promise. That promise was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. They experienced this supernatural uh, uh, occurrence. Uh, Peter got up and preached his first message. 3,000 people got saved. That was basically the beginning of the church right then and there. That has taken you into chapter 2 of Acts. And then when you get to the very end of the chapter 2 of Acts, it actually shows a separation of these people. And, it's, and, and it begins to show that these people taught and listened to the teachings of the, the apostles. They prayed together. They broke bread together. They had intimacy with one another. And they helped meet one another's needs. And the supernatural power of God was upon them. So when you look at that and then you begin to look at the church throughout the New Testament, you will begin to see how there was a separation between church and and world. Going back, I'm going to be redundant a little bit this morning, going back to the point, God wanted them to be separated so that they can flourish, so that they can have intimacy with him, intimacy with one another, and fulfill what God had called them to fulfill. Now we bring it down to us. There is a great need for us today to continue in the tradition and the history that God has for his people which is to be separated from the world. Why? So that you and I can flourish according to God's will, not the world's ways. You can flourish in the world, but that's not God's will for you to flourish in the world. What I mean in the world is by the world's standards, by the world's ways. That's what I mean by that. But it is God's will for for us to flourish by His ways and by His standards. It is God's will for us to have intimacy with him. If we are consumed and wrapped up in the world, we are not going to be able to be in a spot to where we can have intimacy with him because there is opposition between God and the world. Right on? So that we can have, again, be in a place to where we can have intimacy with one another. The Bible says the world will come to know me by how? You and I love one another. Again, that is made possible when we are separated from the world. So when we are separated from the world, we have godly relationships. If we're not separated in the world, you have a bit of a godly relationship, a bit of a sinful relationship, and a bit of a dysfunctional relationship, and all the other stuff that's around it. And then God wants us to be separated so that we can do what he's called us to do. So I have some scripture to back this up. 2 Corinthians Chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. I believe I'm reading the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. 
Knew something wasn't right there. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Let me just start that off because sometimes the first reading, the first few words just kind of goes over our head because we haven't gotten to the groove yet. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst, hear this, and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then, can you say then? This is a big then. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Pretty, pretty clear, huh? Pretty clear. God, from the beginning, from Adam and Eve, all the way to us today, has never intended for us to be the same as that in the world. Do we live in the world? Yes. Do we work in the world? Yes. Do we shop in the world? Yes. But there are certain standards, specific mindsets, and distinct ways that we do not partake of. And when the Bible talks about the world, in essence, that is what it is talking about. So when the Bible uses the world, it is not using the beauty of God's creation. It is not talking about the resources that you and I need to live today. But it is talking about certain actions and choices and ways. So the world basically means, or the world in the Bible basically means principles standards and beliefs that oppose God and His principles, His standards, and His beliefs. So when I am talking about being separated from the world, I am not talking in the context of living like monks. I am not talking about starting a cult. I'm not talking about going, building cabins up in the mountains and becoming recluses. Of course, that's, that feels nice sometimes. <laughs> yes. I could handle that. My wife would be like, no, I need people. She's really like, I don't want to be alone with you 
Seriously, when the Bible speaks in the context of separation, it is not meaning removing yourself from the world as we know it, but it does mean removing yourself from principles, standards, and beliefs that oppose God. Does that make sense? We have had some Christian radicals take this out of context, and they started some weird Christian sects, sex, S-E-C-T-S. Be clear on that. That has given Christianity a bad name. That has created confusion amongst people that does not present Jesus Christ in a loving, good, powerful light. Amen. Why? Why should we separate ourselves? I gave you four overall general reasons, but let's dig a little bit deeper. Number one, so we are not influenced. It just does not matter who you are. Your surroundings influence you. The old saying, you are what you eat, rings so true. There is a power of evil that is undescribable. Think of it like Eve. Eve in the Garden of Eden. She, she, she had everything. Perfect. Paradise. Wonderful. Amazing. But the power of evil sucked her in. Why? Because she did not separate herself from the words, from the thoughts, from the lies, from the manipulation of Satan, who is the king of the worldly system that we're talking about today. So if Eve, that had this close connectivity with God himself was sucked in by the power and the influence of evil in the Garden of Eden. How much more easier is it for you and I to be sucked in by the power and the influence of the world when we are outside of the Garden of Eden? Adam was sucked in by the power and the influence of Edom. Edom. E Eden. I get it out. There is a place called Edom. That's not what we're talking about. So God doesn't want us to be in a spot. He doesn't want us to be in a position where we are influenced by things we shouldn't be influenced by sucked in by powers that we don't have to be sucked in by. Manipulated and lied to by powers that can change the course of our directives, change the course of our mind, change the course of our action, change the course of our connection with God. 
simply by thought, simply by some words, simply by the process of imagination. Eve was given a process of imagination. She was given these thoughts and she was given these ideas and, she, and through these thoughts and through these ideas and through this imagination she was lied to and she was deceived. Why? Because she simply didn't say, not today, Satan. How much more do you and I have to be separated from the world? If we're influenced, oftentimes, when we're influenced, we're led. You usually are not led when you're not influenced. But when you're influenced, you're led. Led to what? Led from what? So when you are influenced by a worldly system, you are led away from a godly system. Because there's only two systems. There's black, there's white. There's right, there's wrong. There's hot, there's cold. The Bible says, either be hot or cold. He didn't give grounds for gray. He didn't give grounds for, for lukewarm. So there's only two systems. The hot system or the cold system. The good system or the bad system. The righteous system or the unrighteous system. The biblical system or the sinful system. And if you are influenced by the sinful system... You're going to be led into a sinful system. But if you are separated unto God and you are influenced by a godly system, you are going to be led into a godly system. And when you're led into a godly system, repeating myself again, we are put in a position to flourish. flourish. We are put in a position to have intimacy and deep connection with God. We are put in a position to connect and have and, and, and love one another. And we are put in a position to be used by God in the ways that he wants to use us. But the Bible says that sin after a season leads to death. So what that technically says to us, when we are influenced by a world system and we are led by a world system, then we will find ourselves in the grips and the confines and the enclavement of death. And when, when we are in the death of the world system, we are not flourishing according to God. We do not have intimacy with God. We do not have intimate healthy, godly relationships and we're not doing what God has called us to do. Are you breathing this morning? The third why is we do all that for our future generations. How do you want your children to live? What do you want your grandkids to believe in? How do you want your nephews and your nieces to look at you? What do you want your cousins to say about you? 
Do you want to be associated with some aspect of the worldly system? Do you want to be the influencer of a worldly system? I don't think I've ever said this, and I'm not, definitely not going to go into detail, but I became sexually active when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Not full course, but right up to the point, and full course came later. Why? Not because I come from a perverted family. Not because I woke up one day and said, well, I want to touch a girl this way, and I want to be touched that way. I had three individuals, maybe four individuals, that had influence in my life, therefore had leadership in my life, that influenced me and led me to do things, to experience things, to talk about things, to want things that was absolutely anti-God anti-God's plan for my life. And it all became, came from family members that had a reputation that influenced me and led me. And it all continued until I met Lorana when I was 15, 16 years old. So these family members was known you want to get action, you go to them. If you want something in that, in that line of experience, connect with them. See, they were influences of sin that really screwed me up, to be very honest with you. It's, it's, it took me a long time to get over that. Because of how my mind was trained at 10 years old. Imagine looking at a woman and all you can think about is her body parts at 10 years old. And all you want to do is what your sexual energy is, is, is driving you to do. It didn't come from God. It didn't come from the godly people in my life. It came from a handful of people that chose to live by a worldly system that influenced me to be that way. Until God connected me with the godly woman. And you know what my mindset was? I'm being very transparent with you this morning. If you don't like it, I will. You know, the first thing that I looked at when I saw my wife was her butt and her breast. The very first thing. Because that's how my mind was trained. We got together and one of the first things I asked was my access. And you know the first thing she told me? Not today, Satan. <laughs> no, not really. But she specifically let me know. She's holding herself until she gets married. Why am I saying this to you? Because for you to realize the importance 
of choosing to separate yourself from a worldly system into a godly system, not just because of you, yourself, and I, but because of the influence that you have on the younger ones that is looking up to you in ways that you don't even know. What's your reputation? Are you known as a partier? Are you known as a thief? Are you known as the dope dealer? Are you known as the pervert? Are you known as the loose? Are you known as the person who drinks too much? Are you known as the person with the filthy mouth that likes the vulgar jokes? What are you known as? What is your influence? What have you separated yourself to and from? Let me move on. How? How do we separate ourselves? Don't eat what they eat. Real simple. Look at someone and say, don't eat what they eat. So in the Bible, we see that Israel had a different diet. They had a specifically different diet because God wanted them to live a specific way. What we put in us dictates the function of our body. Now, that is physical. We know this. That is mental. We know this. That is emotional. We know this. And this is spiritual. Hopefully, you know this. Don't eat what they eat. If you want to be different than the world, don't do what they do. Don't look at what they look at. Don't consume what they consume. Don't act like they act. Don't laugh at what they laugh at. Don't take pleasure in what they take pleasure in. Completely separate yourself. It's hard to separate yourself when you're looking, hearing, participating in what they do. Like Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah was a very evil land. Some people, uh, some people uh, you know, relate America to Sodom and Gomorrah, which is, in my opinion, ludicrous. It's absolutely stupid because we have righteous people here. And we have standards and we have morals and the list goes on and on and on. So I, I, I would never make that analysis or that parallel because I 100% disagree with it. Sodom and Gomorrah was a horrible place. It was an evil place. Beyond anything that we have even seen. What's very interesting is Lot messed around on the fringes. So Lot was related to, to uh, Abraham. And Lot was on the fringes. He lived in this community. And he had interactions in this community. 
The Bible doesn't teach us that, that, that he sinned like they sinned, but yet he was in this community and he had interactions with his community. But you also see, see, see the side of him that honored, and honored God because when the angels were sent into Sodom and Gomorrah, he was protecting the angels from being raped. Not that they would have got raped anyway, but the men of the city came to Lot's house. They banged, they banged, they banged on the door and said, give us those visitors that came into the city. We want to have our way with them. And Lot was tore between white and black, good and right. And he did not open his door to them, which shows a part of his heart that still was connected with God. But his wife, a different heart. When they led Sodom and Gomorrah, they led with a command. God said, do not turn around and look at the city for it's going to be going down in ashes and flames. His wife had a heart for Sodom and Gomorrah. Sure, most of you know the story. She turned around to look at the burning city and she turned into a pillar of salt. Why did this happen with her? My personal belief is because her husband played on the fringes for too long. Halfway connected with God, halfway connected with unrighteousness. Playing on the fringes never equates to goodness and blessings for us nor our future generation. God wants us to be 100% committed to him and separated from the ways of the world. Am I making sense this morning? What do we do? This is my last area. Go to church. See, the early, the early believers made church a lifestyle. For us, for, some, for, for a lot of people, not, not all, church isn't a lifestyle. Church is just something you do on Sunday morning, maybe Wednesday nights, and every now and then an outing. But the early church, now they had it a whole lot worse than us today. They were faced with persecution. They were faced with violent deaths. They were faced with losing their families, their children, their wives, themselves, losing everything they had simply because they believed in Jesus Christ. And they truly had to separate themselves. So it's not like they could hang out in the world and be like, I love Jesus. No, they, they get taken out. So what developed is the church. And the church developed because of the need of those who followed Christ needed to come together. And they needed to support one another. And they needed to encourage one another. And they needed to pray with one another. And they needed to talk with one another about God and the goodness of God and the, and, and, and the life that Jesus Christ taught and exemplified. And so what came out of this togetherness, this unity, this specific lifestyle is what we call the church. It just has a different, it has a different appearance today. So one of the ways that we can really separate ourselves from the world is not to become an island unto ourselves that leads to more dysfunction, but it's to connect with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ 
And that connection is called the church. That's why the Bible says when two or three come together in my name, I am in their midst. I, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, I am in their midst. The head is with the body, amen? So one of the ways we separate ourselves is coming together more, connecting together, spending time with one another, being involved, yes, in events of worship, events of fellowship, events of outreach, but going beyond that and you connecting with one another in your homes. So in the very beginning of Acts, 3,000 people got saved. A little while later, Peter preached another message. 5,000 people got saved. There was 8,000 people. So do we think that, that they had one meeting place for 8,000 people? No. Where did they meet? Where did they hang out? Where did they talk story? Most of it had to be in homes. I'm going to tell on you, Jim. I hope it's okay. Jim and Wanda uh, have, for a while, have hosted a, a, a Bible study in their home. And there's several people that goes over to their house on a regular basis, and they talk story, they eat together, they have their Bible study. I, I commend that. It's people coming together, separating themselves from the world and, 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 and connecting. Not any longer, but Scott and Vicky used to have a, a gathering on, on Monday nights, and a lot of the young adults and young couples would come and hang out with them and talk story and eat together, uh, talk spirituality and all these good things. Another amazing time, amazing little place where people would go and connect with one another. I'm telling you, the only way you can truly separate from the world and stay separated from the world is when you come unto one another and connect with one another and live life with one another and bless one another and strengthen one another. If you don't have one another, you're not going to stand on your own. Eve was alone with Satan and Satan sucked her in. Amen? The last one. What do we do? If have to, Change your ways. Change your ways. Change my ways, change your ways, change your ways. If you have something that is keeping you connected to the world system, change your ways. If you have somebody that is keeping you connected to a world system, change your ways. If you got issues going on because of your connection or involvement in the world, change your ways. It's the way of God. You cannot serve two masters, the Bible says. You can't be hot and cold. You've got to be one or the other. So Satan is out roaring like a lion. The Bible says that, but he really is right now. There's things going across the, air, the airwaves that is intended for our kids to look at and watch that is absolutely ridiculous. There is curriculum that is being created and being pushed into our school systems that absolutely oppose God's ways himself. There's things happening online that is really nightmarish. There is visuals and media content 
that the Bible calls is a Bible calls an abomination. I would adventure to say maybe not more than ever, but more than a long, long time before this, we need to separate ourselves. I forgot to read a verse, Matthew 24, 11. This is probably why the Holy Spirit wanted me to say it at the end. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, lawlessness means iniquity. Iniquity means that, means that which rebels against order. And because lawlessness Lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Cold toward one another, cold toward God, cold toward church, cold toward the Bible, cold toward faith. And we see that left and right. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You have to endure. Endurance becomes a lot easier when you're running with somebody else. Ain't that right, Matt? You're an endurance guy. Changes everything. When you are enduring with other people, you might be better than them, they might be better than you. But when you are enduring with somebody else, it makes the endurance process a whole lot easier and you can find yourself going a lot further. There's a man that, that I used to follow. He, he, he runs these 100 and 200 mile races. And uh, he's a Christian man, ex-Navy SEAL guy. And, there was this, and he connects with people that wants to do these kind of things. And he connected with this guy who had never ran more than, I want to say, 6K, 5 miles, something in that, in that zone, 3 to 6K. He had never in his life. But yet he ran with this man and that man was able to run a hundred miles. Run, not walk, run a hundred miles. Why? Because he had someone who'd been there and done that beside him the whole time. They kept pushing him on, kept pushing him on. You can do it. You can do it. It's only pain. It's only pain. It's only a thought saying you can't. Your body can handle it. Your body can handle it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And that man who had never ran more than five miles ran 100 miles in, in a 24-hour span because he ran with someone that pushed him on. When we separate from the world, but yet we come together, that's how we endure to the end. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally and continues to encourage you throughout the day and the coming week. We'll see you next time.